So our ticket sales staff, whenever they make a sale, and I don't mean like whenever they agree with someone uh, who wants to buy tickets and come to a game, whether that's like single game tickets or uh, you want like a mini plan or a half season, full season plan, whatever. Whenever they crush it. I'm talking about when the money reaches HQ, right? Whenever the Mavericks have actually made a sale. Throw it to the sky, watch it fall. Down, uh, yeah, down, well, pretty down. much that's that's where I'm going with this. Um, we sit across the office from them, and there's there's a whole lot of them. Our, our ticket sales staff is great, but whenever they actually receive the money, mm-hmm. a song plays on t on the TV. They got they have like this TV screen or a, a few of them that have their own song. Well, no, every single person has their own oh, wow. song. Yeah, what yeah, a coordination! So Who's the DJ? Like who who decides? It's an automated thing. Deb made a sale. Well, it's 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 through the computer. So like, you, have you'll that notice that as you walk past, it's like, you know, different. There's like how many full season equivalents have been sold, how many phone calls have you made, how many sales have you made, all that stuff. It's like the hustle stats. I think yeah. is what it's called. Deflections. Yeah, and so um, it it just knows whenever you make a sale, and so a song plays. And while I was walking over there. Uh, right before we did this podcast to, you to uh, pick your own walk up music. No, well, yeah, to, to grab a couple soft drinks for us from the fridge, which is located right next to the ticket sales staff. Man, we've had I to walk soft drinks. Digital has had to walk far to the break room. Every office we've been in, we got a fridge over here, but somehow it just doesn't happen. Yeah, we gotta we gotta load that. We gotta get Doug to load that thing. There's up. a Keurig over Shouts here to too. Bootsy, by the way, that guy's a legend. Um, but anyway, a song was playing, and I was like, "Huh, <laughs> that's pretty cool." Someone just made a sale, and everyone was laughing. I think it, you know, it, I think it was David, and David just changed up his tune. Uh-huh. Everyone got a kick out of it. So that the great got me David to, Green. Yeah, yeah, that got me to wondering. He's a killer. Well, like in the business game, he's a really good person in real life. Yeah, they know what I mean. Yeah, peaceful in real life. Mm-hmm. But that got me to thinking: um, when, not if, when we start playing our own theme songs after sending out like a fire tweet or making a doing a really good edit or posting a pod a article yeah posting a pod mm-hmm. when what? anything hits the finals folder yeah what's your song gonna be i mean it's obviously march madness right okay okay Un- unedited <laughs> start <laughs> unedited. playing it but you only get about 10 seconds oh stuff. wow so you so gotta you gotta pick like the best you know are uh, you starting at i'm the one who's long. looking lavish or are you like yeah probably to start the chorus the intro to that song is very strong, though. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Boom, it drops you. <laughs> I, want, I just want that part. Um, But I don't know. I'd probably be the chorus to March Madness, just because it's funny. Like I'm, like and I'm, topical. Like I'm working for the Mavericks. Oh, so are you, you going to do like a Kids Bop version where you yeah. change the words? Or maybe Jams Dean. Um who was the intro song to my podcast for a long time? Uh, the four pointer we oh, used. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah, yeah. J- Jams in the road. Fergie had to go screw it up for yeah, you. Yeah, Fergie had to top everybody and make everyone second place. But yeah, Jams in the road by my good friend uh, Blake, who his original rap name was Jams Dean. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a great like song. Like the sausages. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would yours be? Well, I don't know. I was Me. thinking of that too because I knew that that would be your inevitable follow-up. But uh, mm-hmm. 
I don't you know. You can't I, ask a question unless you're prepared to answer it. Yeah, and I, I thought about just being like annoying, and I'm a big Pokemon fan. I love playing the <laughs> games, so maybe like the I want to be oh, the very best. No, no, no. Maybe that, but um, never heard it. If it um, needs to be, I could play it for you if you want. No, I, I, you did a good job okay. of singing it. It's fine. Uh, I might do that, or I might just do. Uh, I don't know. How long do you get on a walk-up song? I feel like it plays for probably 15 seconds. So if you're going to find that moment. Yeah, it's like five, eight seconds. And I thought for my yeah. walk-up song for baseball, because I like Young Giant. I think Young Giant's a, a fine band. So I thought about playing sure. My Body by them. That's a pretty good song. Okay. My body tells me no. I don't know. It sounds cooler whenever they sing Oh, it. is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was wondering. I was like, I might not listen to it if it sounds like yeah. this. Yeah. Well, and I think my favorite song ever is December 1963, Oh, What a Night by Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Oh, so really? maybe, so maybe that. It's a favorite song It's ever. a great <laughs> song, dude. It's impossible. The reason I like that song so much is because it's impossible to hear it and not just instantly be in a better mood than you were like 10 seconds yeah, before. Yeah, that's true. It's just such a feel-good, like, it's, uh, it's just a great song. It's like uh, Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. Like, you're just happy after yeah, you hear it. Yeah, it's just, you know. Yeah, yeah. or like the... Making my way down. Yeah. There's just some songs where it's like you're just happy. Sure, I think we're speaking different languages, but yeah, I get I get it. Well, you know, you say classic rock, I say Vanessa Carlton. It's all the same. Same deal. Maybe whenever on This Is America, when the... When the beat changes, actually is that song supposed to make you happy? Uh, no, it's no, it's not supposed to make you happy, but it's also like ironically a banger. Mm. I think that's part of the humor of the what's going on in the song. But whenever it switches, and he's like, "I'm gonna go into this," and it's like the beat just completely changes. Like that's that's uh, that's probably a top five ten seconds of music that's ever been made to me. Yep. So that might be in there. Yep. I'd change it every day. I'd be annoying to whoever the DJ board op person is that yeah, loads man. the I music. Mean, Chuck Morgan, I think, gives you they two, would hate two or three options for the whole year. You they don't would get hate any me. changes. Yeah, yeah, it'd be... Do you remember when uh, Elvis used to use a Chacaron? Well, he, for the longest time, used uh, Enrique Iglesias' big hit. Uh, Hero? No, 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 not Hero. Uh, Despacito? Tonight I'm loving you. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, baseball is fun because you, I mean... You can change it every day if you want to, I think. Like, Michael Young used to change it to a different Be- uh, Beastie Boys song, like, constantly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I mean, the one I that sticks out was, um, is it the band Perry? Is that a thing that exists? That is a name okay. of a band. I think J.P. Aaron Sibio was married to a female that was in that band, I believe. And so I used one of their songs, and I was like, what a kiss butt. Hey, whatever. Like, I was like, you're using a song from the band that your wife's in. Like, hey, do what makes you happy, man. That's all awesome. Right. That's yeah. awesome. What what if he? What if the reason that they met is because he was a big the band Perry fan? Hey, I would clearly, you, but I would use the Fergie national anthem. Yeah, <laughs> it just starts going wrong. <laughs> so like from the first yeah. note, <laughs> yeah, first note. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. great, man. They're gonna. Was, that was the last All Star game, right? Was it? I think it was the most at recent. At Staples. I know yeah. it was at Staples because yeah. it was so the Staples was, announcers guy. Yeah, it was the most recent one there. Okay, yeah. Dude, yeah. they're going to have. I, <laughs> what is wrong with I, the I Staples announcer guy? I do not want that guy? job, man. Oh, no, absolutely not. To do it this year? Like, oh, I, uh, it depends on how you look at it because, like, the bar is so low. Who's North also, Carolina's most famous musician? Let's check this out. Uh, I don't know. They should just get Michael Jordan, to, Michael Jordan to just recite it. J. Cole. <laughs> Yeah, North Carolina most famous musicians is what I'm googling. If you need a Petey Pablo would do a great job, I think. Not familiar. You don't know, you know North uh, North Carolina. Come on and raise up. 
Take your shirt off, twist it around your hips, spin it like that a helicopter. That's P. Pablo. Is that a country song or is no? It? It's a rapper, but he is very country. He's kind of like Bubba Sparks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Booty, 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 booty. Yeah, yeah. it is rocking everywhere, mm-hmm. just everywhere. Oh, Nina Simone. Well, she's no longer with us, but she would do a beautiful national wow. anthem. What? Wow! I'm just <laughs> stating facts. Like, oh, the Avet brothers are from North Carolina. Apparently. Okay. All right, so that could be Dirk. Nice. Yeah. Tie-in. NBA Avet Synergy, Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Vertical integration. You know. Yep. Um, I don't see anybody else. Deliverable. Really about. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, that was that was a very long-winded way of saying the All Star Game is coming up here pretty Welcome. soon. Welcome. And uh, this is, I guess, ceiling is the roof. I yeah. don't know. What thanks do you want to call this? Thanks for having me on your podcast, Bobby. Yeah, thanks, Mike, for coming on your podcast. You're, um, you're drinking a Dr. Pepper 10. I always think it's funny that diet drinks are always, like, grayer in logo than oh, yeah. regular. And it's like, you're, it's like, the advertising. Yeah, you're, like, okay. advertising that this is desaturators. Not to bog down too much. I found who's singing the National Anthem <laughs> okay. in North Carolina. <laughs> All right, who's doing it? One of the most famous North Carolinians, Carolinians, Michael Jordan. You said that already, and I'm not laughing the second time. <laughs> Did you laugh the first time? No. I don't remember. Oh, Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did a great job on Behind Blue Eyes and <laughs> Outside. Whenever Stained was singing about real emotions, and he said, oh. "Just show me. Let me see them lighters. <laughs> I'm feeling those lighters." Fred Durst needs to do the national anthem, and that's it. Oh We're my done with that. Anyway, God! All right, yeah, diet drinks for some reason need to be silver or just a closer, cleaner color. Yeah, so that you feel not as guilty. It's like Marlboro Reds are oh, yeah. red. Yeah, Marlboro Lights are like gold or silver. Yeah, I don't smoke cigarettes, but mm. that's what they look like. This regular Dr Pepper I'm drinking is like bright green. Well, that's a that's a this is Dublin the p- that Dr. pure Pepper, sugar. Yeah, this is the yeah. good stuff. This is the this is that's good, that the real. Pure, yeah, it's a pure. That, that stuff. ain't no mid. No, no. This is this is the the high class. The red tops. Yeah. So uh, all star voting. This is going to be coming out tonight. Thursday mm. evening, but uh, if you're a morning listener, then you probably already know, hopefully, that Luke is starting in the All-Star game. That'd be great. Just go ahead and get it out of the way and save somebody from making a bad decision. Yeah, but I, I'm going to be totally honest. There are things that happen around here that we know about beforehand. Yeah, we don't know about this. There are things that we don't, and that is this is one of those. We have no idea if Luca is starting or not. Uh, if we, I feel good, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to, Lizelle and I were sitting, we have this big whiteboard over by where our, our desks are. It's really yeah. not that big. but By it's, Roddy B. Boulevard? Yeah, it's like, it's it's decent sized. And so... In our shrine to bubs. We were, yeah, we were writing out, um, you know, where Luca ranked in the in the third return. So he was second behind LeBron. Mm-hmm. And I forget what the exact order was. Maybe Katie's third and then uh, Paul, Paul George, George was fourth. Third, I think. Paul George's third, yeah. Katie's fourth. Yeah. And so we were thinking, okay... If the fan vote counts for half, then you get a quarter to the players, you get a quarter to the media. So if Luca finishes second among fan voting, then where does he have to finish right. in X and Y scenarios? Like if KD finishes first and then Anthony Davis There's is second. There's not an exact breakdown of like the point system, is there? It's just re- like if you finish first in fan voting, that counts as one. Like you you get a one uh, and we fan voting score? counts twice. Yeah, so lowest score is the best. Okay. So you're... Like golf. Yeah. So if you finish seventh in the player voting, your then that's a seven. If you finish seventh in media voting, that's a seven. So your your score is fourteen, uh-huh. and then you average. You finish first, 
in fan Fam- voting times two. Oh, okay. So you're 16 divided by three. Uh-huh. Your score is, is 5.3. Which is 17. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. what you said. Yeah. Your um, score is 5.3. Yeah, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I thought there was like a scale system of like – one player vote equals like five fan oh, votes. Oh no, I don't you, think so. But th- that how does many shrewd bucks? Though, because like if you finish, like Luca's going to finish second place yeah. probably, and but he's going to be like more than a million votes ahead of third place. He was, um, I think, five hundred thousand up, which after is a whole the third lot. tally, I mean, which is a ton, which is an insurmountable, basically lead. Yeah, and that's um, that's a significant. I mean, the gap between Luca and third is probably as wide as the gap between third and like sixth. Yeah, third and seventh. So you're mm-hmm. talking like significant difference, but I mean, that's not gonna that's not gonna aid him in any way. A lot of people in the top ten didn't have five hundred thousand votes total. Yeah. So it's just it was it was a it was a very healthy lead on Paul George, and I don't think it's gonna change. But I just hope the media vote and the players do them right because don't stand in front of the train. Yeah, it's coming through. Yeah, like just just get out of the way. Vote him comfortably third or fourth at his position or whatever you want to do, but he needs to be – if someone leaves him off the ballot, like that's the only way. If dudes just don't even vote for him, that's the only way I could see him. And this isn't baseball where it's like the yeah. high and mighty voters and stuff. But right. I think what what Lizelle and I kind of concluded is that if as long as he finishes second in, player, in uh, fan voting, he could fall as far as like fifth, sixth, or even seventh in the other two, mm-hmm. and still be okay depending on which players finish ahead of him in which order. Okay. Like I, I imagine the media and the players are probably going to vote like Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant as starters, mm-hmm. probably LeBron. So those will be the three best finishers. So the question is, does Luca finish fourth ahead of Paul George? Does he finish fifth behind Paul George? Does Paul George finish fourth and Luca finishes like ninth? Because mm-hmm. he got other people, Jokic. Towns. I mean, there's guys. There's a whole lot of players that are really good. I don't. I don't know why I went right to Towns. There's a lot of other front court players who are really good. But that's just an example. Yeah, it's the West. It's miserable being in the West. Like in the East, you're literally debating between like Kyle Lowry and like can Drummond sneak in there (laughs) and like uh, does Kimba make it? And you know, there's just a hand. The the tenth eleven. 12th spot in the east to me would have no business at all being a western all-star um, those might be your last picks in the draft yeah they they for sure will uh, the the top is pretty stable right i mean it's like Giannis, kyrie Embiid. i think those th- those three are for sure and Kawhi. and those um, guys are very deserving obviously yeah there's like four to five gotta have them eastern conference all-stars i think there's as many as eight in the west like, there's eight dudes that legitimately you're going to look and go, that guy's not starting. Like, if Paul George is starting, Paul George has had an insane year, probably his best year he's ever played, and he's not going to get any better. Like, there's n- there's no way on earth, I don't think, that Paul George is going to have a better season in his cur- on his current team mm-hmm. going forward. Um, you're going to say the same thing about Anthony Davis. LeBron is LeBron. He's the face of the entire league and of a sport globally. Who who's getting edged out by nineteen year old uh, Wonder Boy? I don't know. You know, I don't know. But then the bottom of the roster is even tougher because, like, in Zach Lowe's column, it basically came down to Luca or Lamarcus Aldridge. 
but no one's even talking about DeMar DeRozan, who is like perennial yeah. all-star, and I don't think that he'll be on the all-star team in the West, but mm-hmm. I mean, his numbers are good. The Spurs are good. His efficiency is way up. He's averaging career high in assists. Like, he he probably won't make the team. Yeah. I mean, he might. I guess it depends on a lot of things, but he, he might not even make the team. Yeah, and it's to the point where, like, you can't even consider – like a guy like Tobias Harris anymore. Yeah. Like he's just, he's just fell off like for like two weeks and that's you let go of the rope too long, buddy. Yeah. Like while Luca was doing twenty five, five and five for those five or six games, T- Tobias Harris was kinda quiet because Gallo was playing really well and there goes your all star chance, buddy. And then you yeah, you lose a couple games and yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's I tough, mean, man. It's merciless. Donovan Mitchell can't even sniff all star, I don't think, this year. Or like Gobert. Yeah, Gobert's. I think Gobert's going to make it. That's going to throw a wrench in things. I don't know. I, I mean, I think he makes it. I, I don't think Stephen Adams has a chance. Yeah, like I think he's definitely probably a top fifteen player in the West, and I can't find a spot for you, bud. But I mean, are you going to put are you going to put Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns and Jokic all? I mean, co- are coaches going to vote for three centers to come off the bench? I think they all make it. That's crazy. I think they all make it. I don't think Aldridge does. I yeah. think I think Zach Lowe is flat out wrong. That's wild though, because like. <laughs> I mean, if if DeRozan's not and Aldridge isn't, and maybe even Luca doesn't, then yeah. like who? Yeah, it's I crazy. Mean, we were doing this with Sean Marion the other mm-hmm. day. He was going down his route, and he he said a couple names like Adams, for example. And I don't think Adams has a chance, frankly, no. just because. But his, dude, his, if he's not even on the, if not he's not be. on the team, yeah. I mean, like, is Russell Westbrook going to be an All Star? He's averaging a triple double. <laughs> he's he be? fringy right now, man. I I, I mean, it's he's way more crazy? fringy than he should be. Yeah. Like, I don't want to make it necessarily, like, top 24 players or top 26 players, but you kind of need to do that. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to make it, like, a world versus United States thing. But, I mean, if Russell Westbrook doesn't make it and Andre Drummond does or somebody else from the East, like, fill in the blank, um, you know, I can't even think of a guy. Well, I mean, outside fringy. of outside of Kyrie Irving, Nobody on the Celtics is really putting no. Up Horford's numbers. having a good year, but no, he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he probably I mean, he's going to probably get like Depot out now. Nobody on the Pacers. That's very true. And those are there's only five. Well, Turner. Some people. I was listening to Nate Duncan's podcast, and they both voted him and Daniel Larue both both put Miles Turner as their final East, and I was like, that's shocking. To yeah, me. and it's it's not as much like pedigree. It's not shock- I don't really care that much, but like, no, that's it's very surprising to, to say that Russell he's Westbrook, averaging 13 points per game. I know. <laughs> But he's been great defensively, yeah. and he's kind of been – his defensive, um, I guess, jump this season has made them a yeah, better his, team. his DBPM, box plus minus, is, yeah, he's I think, leading great, the NBA. Great player, just yeah. not a hyper elite player. Like, if you're going to leave w- Russell Westbrook off the all-star team and tell me that Miles Turner is, like, we need to rethink yeah. how we're doing this a little yeah, bit. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I'm okay. Just take top 26 players. Yeah. I don't know why it's – Everything's everything's the world is smaller in general. It's not like Eastern Conference All Stars mean more than Western Conference All Stars. Like just put it all in a pool and take the best twenty six or whatever you want to cut the line off at twenty four players, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's just I I mean, just don't give the media a vote. Don't and I say this as someone in yeah who kind of covers the league. No, 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 no we send us anything. Right, definitely don't get a vote. Did somebody? How do we not have a vote? Because we're not media, team? dude. We work for oh, a yeah. team, yeah. That's true. Even the like Who? TV broadcasters don't get a vote anymore. Like, did McMahon get a vote? I'm sure he did, Okay. Yeah. I'm sure he did. You got to mean like the Writers Association type thing? Uh, no, it's just you just have to have a season pa- a season credential, 
and uh, probably have covered a, like X number of games over the last five years or something. Don't tell me Bryce got a vote. Well, I don't know. We can, <laughs> we can find out. We'll have to find out. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully Luca makes it. If he w- if he was or is, I mean, I don't know. Whenever you're listening to this, if Luca is a starter, then he will obviously start. Mm-hmm. If he is not named a starter, I believe we find out the full rosters on like February 8th or something, or February 7th. I thought it was quicker than that, but maybe is I'm it, wrong. It might be next week. Uh, there's a there's a whole lot of days. Like oh, there's too many days. So there's the trade deadline. There's the day of the All Star. It was draft. the 27th that the coaches have to pick, start picking reserves. That, that might be. That might be. Uh, that sounds right, but honestly, yeah. I've had. I mean, there's days we're flying into Charlotte. There's days of games. There's final voting days. Yeah, well, I've got the, it all. The trade deadline and the All Star draft are the same day, so that's, that's gonna be crazy. that's gonna be a lot of headlines on the internet. That's crazy, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's just a, there's a lot of All Star stuff going on. But anyway, just because he isn't named a starter does not mean he won't be on the team. So just stay oh, tuned for, sure. for all that. Stay tuned for all that. Yeah. And you got guys like Doc Rivers saying he's already his favorite player to watch. I mean, yeah. like. They're heaping praise on him. If the coaches that have come through here or we visited and people have asked them about Luca, if they're if they're not blowing smoke and they're being honest, like I think the feeling around the league is that he's a top twenty player. Yeah. If you ask coaches. And that might be low. Yeah. No, and just comfortably if you took a median rank of these players, I think the old head coaches in the league would tell you you'd probably end up somewhere around top twenty. So if they're saying that publicly and then they don't vote to back it up. They're cowards. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it means. Yeah. You uh, you kind of inadvertently stumbled into something that I wanted to talk about. That's what I do is, all the time. Yeah. I guess probably just shouldn't say that and probably should just let the conversation flow. That's kind of one of those fourth wall things. No, I, I, think, think, it, I think it's fine. I do that all the time. Yeah. Because it's... Like when someone says something interesting, I don't just like earmark it and start talking about that thing. If we've passed it, I'm always like, "You mentioned something interesting that I want to come back to." Yeah. Just so everyone kind of follows along with you. It's almost like herding the sheep back to where you want them to be. Okay. But it's sheep, just follow me. Yeah, just follow. We, just trust me. Yeah, just, trust just, me. just follow me. All you, all of you sheep out there. Um, coaches, coaches is perception of Luca. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I watch a lot of NBA. Mm-hmm. I obviously watch every Mavs game. And so I watch who they play Whoa. 82 times per year. And then a lot of the times, I'll if I'm sitting at home, I'll flip on League Pass. But I'm not mm-hmm. watching every game that every team plays. I don't pretend to. Usually I watch maybe like the last game or so of the team that we're about to play next. Like I, I don't watch like I'm not Zach Lowe. If there's if there's a story that's going kind of crazy, I'll flip it over. Like we, <laughs> we had a nice uh, Grizzlies fourth quarter text exchange the yeah, other night. Yeah, where I'm stuff like, like that. I'm like – Oh, <laughs> you know, we're down 15 at home in the fourth quarter bad. I yeah, did not I mean, anticipate. When things are topical, I'll tune yeah. in. But for the most part, I'm not a, uh inch inch deep hole that's a mile wide, mm-hmm. right? I know a mile's worth of NBA stuff that's an inch wide, and yeah. it's just all about the maps. Yeah. So generally, my understanding of the NBA is based on things I read, occasional games I watch other teams play and then what those teams do whenever they play against Dallas Mm -hmm. because I know Wesley Matthews' tendencies so well and and the way teams normally defend him that whenever somebody does something different or someone has a good game against him or against Luka or whatever I can be like okay this is why that worked Mm -hmm. so that leads me back to this original point of like coaches perception of the Mavs and specifically of Luka the first time that Dallas played the Clippers Luca was out. 
Mm-hmm. The second time was Luca's first game against Doc Rivers, and he scored like 34 points. That was uh, the it was TNT. that road game. It was on TNT. Game at the watch party. Yeah, it was at the watch party, mm-hmm. which is a great night. Hopefully, we can do that again. Yeah. Um, th- uh, that watch podcast. party at Texas Live on the 30th if people want to get out to that. We won't be doing a podcast because Bobby's on the road and because we just didn't plan it. But uh, Texas Live, the big joint down there in Arlington. Place is awesome. It is pretty rad, dude. Yeah. It'll I be a good time. I saw a, uh, a show there, like a rock and roll concert. Yeah. Show. It was awesome. That yeah, no, it's is good great, to go watch yeah. college football down there. Like, we went and watched. Yeah. That kind of like the it's almost it's laid out like sports book. Yeah, it's, it's great, man. Huge TVs. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So, um, but anyway, Luca was dominant in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was killing Avery Bradley, and that's not because Avery Bradley's bad. Avery Bradley is awesome, but Luca was having a great game, and they just left him single covered. Mm-hmm. So that got me to thinking. Okay, now that Doc Rivers has seen Luca once what is it going to be like the second time yeah and if you remember back to that clippers game they were trapping and blitzing and double teaming and sending help his way mm-hmm. they were not letting him post up on smaller guys they were sending second defenders they were switching up. they were doing so much stuff to try and slow him down and that's part of the reason he had such a bad shooting night is because anytime he was single covered he was going to make sure he got a shot off but it was usually yeah. late in the clock i mean they were doing so much to take away things from luca and um well, that's why Barnes went off and Dennis went off. And yeah, like, because – and DeAndre had yeah. 13 points on, like, six shots because yeah. Luca was finding – Luca was beating double teams. Right. And, do you want to get he, a sword across the head or do you want to get a thousand different little knives in yeah, you? Yeah. Like, how do you want it? And that that's what makes him so good is that he can beat double teams anyway. Most young players – most players, period, can't, but Luca yeah. already can. Um He's but so funny watching, whenever he gets trapped, though, because he never, like, fights through it. He's just like, I'm taller than you, and I'm bigger than you, and I'm just going to hold the ball really high. And he nervously sometimes will, like, keep tiptoeing toward the yeah. sideline, and I'm like, dude, yeah. you're running out of room. Like, yeah. you got to pass it. But then he just finds someone for a dunk. Yeah. It's crazy. But He's always big enough to, like, just either just throw it over the top of someone, and it's funny to watch. Yeah. Uh, and that got me thinking earlier in the year whenever the Mavs played the Spurs for the first time, not for the second time, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Pop was sending was like, overtime game. Yeah, yeah. Pop was sending baseline double teams to Luca like in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. I was like, wh- oh my god, like yeah. that's Pop. You know, I mean, these guys, are, these these are the coaches like Pop, Doc Rivers. These are those old school guys that are like rookies. Ah, rookies can all let them beat us, but they're like not treating Luca like he's a rookie. They're treating no. Luca like he's you know <laughs> uh, names that I shouldn't say publicly, <laughs> like LeBron and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. they're like. There's very few dudes that they roll out that defensive scheme for. It's crazy, especially the first or second time they ever play against them. And so watching how other teams defend the Mavs, that's becoming one of my favorite things that I look for when I watch mm-hmm. games. Because, dude, I've, I've seen so many Mavs games. There's, it's A lot of it is the same after a while, right? Whenever yeah. you watch the same team for 82 games. Right, but run the same plays. A lot of the players are in the same spots. Like I can, I know what every... Harrison Barnes' possession looks like yeah. at this point. We've had, what, almost three years. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, he's a good player. Yeah. I've seen every Dirk possession a, right. a million times. I mean, I, I still love it because he's that good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's only so many things that these guys can do. So, these little tiny glitches in the system, right? Whenever uh, you see the black cat twice in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Whenever the Clippers are doubling Luka every ball screen mm-hmm. the second time they play him. That's the stuff that stands out to me. And just noticing that, seeing that right away, not even halfway through his first season of his career. I mean, we're not even yeah. to the trade deadline, 
and he is clearly one, one A, one B, two, three, four, and all the way down. He's like the scouting report mm-hmm. for this team. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's the way it should be, quite honestly, because his playmaking ability. Um, I'll use Milwaukee, the Milwaukee game, as an example, where I feel like he created about twenty-five open looks, and we converted about ten of them. And he got a triple double, and that's fun and everything. I didn't feel like it was as that was his best game, just because there's a lot of shots in that box score that he usually knocks down. A lot of those um, floaters, for example. Yeah, whenever, yeah. His floater's been a little weird. I feel like he can't rely on it consistently right now, but he's – you never do unless you do it in games three or four times. Um, but I feel like he was getting in the lane and making the correct pass almost 100% of the time in the Milwaukee game, and it just didn't work out for him. They weren't hitting threes. They went cold, and the game kind of turns on you against a, the team that has the best record in basketball. But – if you watch that game and you're like, okay, the best thing happening on this side of the court is anything but Luca, then you're watching a different game than me. Because even if even if he does make the right pass and it misses, like I I I, I keep that tally in my head. Like I'm like, okay, that was a good possession. That was a good offensive possession. They just missed the shot. And so there's like these evolutions of NBA fandom and I guess how willing you are to consume you know, multiple basketball games in a week? And then are you willing to consume multiple basketball games from the same team whenever they're hovering around 500? And then you just, how, how dug in do you want to be? And for us, it's, it's our job, so we don't really have a choice. But um, you don't get the, the overall holistic improvement that he brings to your offense unless you watch it every single second of every day. And I felt like they should have been in that Milwaukee game. He played well enough to keep them in that game. I feel like he should have had like about 17 assists. But, you know, I'd, one of my worries in the, in the preseason was this team is, on the whole, is not that great of a shooting team. Like, that's just not our skill set. The roster we put forward, like Harrison Barnes is shooting the lights out, but it, the rest of it is about where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like, that's what I thought these guys were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're middle of the back shooting. I heard you and Jake talking about, like, assists versus potential assists. Yeah. So, NBA.com, NBA stats, all of this stuff is public that we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, you can find it in a couple clicks. Um, Luca averages 5.3 assists per game this season, and he averages 9.9 potential assists per game. So, a potential assist is if I pass it to you, Mike, and you shoot it, that is a potential assist, whether it goes in I or usually not, make it. Yeah, well, yeah, you usually make But just for the sake of the example, oh, okay, yeah. the average NBA player instead of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, So Luca 9.9 times per game, passes to someone who then shoots, where if it would have gone in, it would count as an assist. So 5.3 are converted, 4.6 are not. That means that 53.5% of his potential assists become assists. Mm-hmm. Now, where does that rank? So I went to NBA Stats, pulled the top 50 in assists per game, not assists per 36 minutes, whatever, assists per game, the guys that actually finished the play. Uh, 53.5% ranks tied for 34th out of that group. So that's like about the bottom third. It's down there with Russell Westbrook, uh, who has 19.8 potential assists. Uh, it's actually a little ahead of Ben Simmons, who's 15.7, which is crazy because he's passing it to J.J. Reddick. Mm-hmm. It's actually beneath Giannis, uh, beneath Chris Paul, 
uh, 0.4% worse than James Harden. And so I was like, man, what's going on? What do all those guys have in common? Well, those guys are usually passing to three-point shooters. Yeah. So Luka, 53.5% of his potential assists going in actually seems kind of high given how many of his passes go to jump shooters. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe that could just be a feel thing. But if you if, if you kick the ball out and the guy shoots it and an assist, you create an assist opportunity, right, and they miss it, does that count on your usage? No. No? Okay. Usage is not even – doesn't count assists either. doesn't count assists? Shot, foul, which leads to – shot, foul, turnover. I thought it counted assists. No. That's just uh, like assist rate. Huh. Wow, yeah, okay. Just uh, possessions that end with you as the guy that either has the ball or lost the ball. Mm, That's okay. usage. Yeah. Gotcha. But generally, high usage guys also get a lot of assists too. Yeah. But – um. So that's 53.5% for the season, which is about bottom third of the top 50, which is kind of a weird cross-section of the league, but I just thought I'd roll with it. But the last month, uh, of which Dennis has missed most, uh, basically since the Sacramento game Mm -hmm. on December 16th, and I believe that was the first game Dennis missed, or it might have been because he came back for that Phoenix game, sore wrist, but then I think he was out again for that Sacramento game and missed a Mm -hmm. while. Uh, that was whenever Luca kind of assumed point guard duties for the long haul. Uh, since then, he is averaging 10.4 potential assists per game uh, and is averaging 6.2 assists. Mm-hmm. So he's actually converting about 60% of those, which over the course of the season would rank way high, like he'd be ranking in the top 10. Yeah. So uh, he's doing better. But I think a lot of that is because he's connecting with DeAndre and Powell on rolls when he's playing with the second unit. And also Dirk has – Dirk's shooting percentage is like quintuple whenever Luca passes him versus oh, yeah. any other guy. They got a pretty good thing going on. Yeah. It's uh, – when you when you watch, like, guys that are that high usage and uh, teams that are built around dudes like that, like every every team that comes in that isn't, you know, Houston who has their own identity um, and has had it for three-plus years – Golden State, um, those might just be that might just be the two. O- OKC kind of has their own thing now. I mean, they're defense first and Westbrook and Paul George, but teams that aren't built around built around, um, you know, either Harden, who's this nuclear talent, and on a good day, Chris Paul, um, teams that are just kind of figuring it out, right? Like Denver. Um, Milwaukee, I consider Milwaukee is the same way. They've obviously figured it out, but beginning of the season, you'd be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, every time we play a team like that, Denver's probably the shining example where I watch them and I, I see how their teams are built. And what do you do? Okay, we haven't exactly seen Luca, but we've kind of seen Luca before. And it's guys who it's heresy to mention in the same sentence, but. Rick you, certainly wouldn't want to hear you yeah, utter their name. You've seen it. Yeah. You've seen dudes that have those numbers. You see the list that he's on. Yeah, the profile. Um, and a lot of those dudes, their roster, whenever they are at their peak and most successful, the supporting cast is mainly shooters, mainly very efficient shooters. And a lot of the times they get to a point in building that roster to where they will spend a first-round pick on Kyle Korver to get another shooter in there. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly in 
roster construction mode in my mind. Like how does how does Wes fit with Luca if they put Dorian and Maxi out there? Like that type of stuff. Like okay, what what we have now, and then how do you how do you get the most out of the you know the one constant that's going to be here? I assume for the next fifteen years is Luca. I mean, I hope Dennis Hopefully. is here. Yeah, I, mean, I hope I, Dennis is here too. But yeah, everyone knows what's been happening. Um, so I think about okay, this is this is the small collection of names that I can bring up to compare statistically him to. What do they all have in common? Okay, well Westbrook, they to surround him with shooters. LeBron, jo- LeBron James, LeBron Jordan <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, they had to they surround him with shooters so that whenever he does do his magic trick, which is get past you and get ahead of steam at the basket i cash in every time so i'm i say all that to say we're kind of watching him without a perfect build around him because we didn't know he was going to be this good this quick and we didn't know we were going to get him number one uh in the middle of the summer so it's just it takes a lot of patience but i keep in mind that the direction of the build of the team, the roster, how they play lineups is probably going to take a drastic 45 degree turn this off season in terms of every single player, every single decision, every lineup, every center forward, people that play around him is going to be met with the question of, okay, how do you get the most out of our one hyper elite guy? I'm not sure that the optimal roster around him is just shooters though like cause what what i don't want to have happen is actually what has kind of unfortunately been the case uh these last like 10 games mostly without dennis is that whenever luke is on the floor their net rating is about even mm-hmm. this is even taking into account like multiple double digit losses um their net rating is almost even maybe a tick below like minus one and a half minus two which is fine um and when he's off before the last game before that clippers game whenever he was off the floor in the last, I think, 12 games, they were like minus seven mm-hmm. per 100 possessions. And I, I'd never want that to be the case. You know, that's kind of the – we've been spoiled for so long with Dirk thing is that for the beginning part of Dirk's career, they always had like the Nick Van Exel guy or Jason Terry who could kind of carry the bench. And then Rick got here and started putting Dirk with the bench mm-hmm. so that you never had that lull because uh, Westbrook's first triple-double year is a, a really good example of that in 2017. Whenever he was on the floor, OKC was like plus 10. And whenever he was off, they were like minus 20 or yeah. just something outrageous. And if your entire team is just built so specifically around one player and to maximize their talent, then whenever he's not on the floor, you're going to get run. Or he misses time. Like, yeah, or he I misses mean, three or four games. If Harden gets worn out and has to sit out a couple weeks. Like, yeah, you're screwed. Your you know what happens. Over. I mean, look at the Lakers. Yeah. And the Lakers, are they have some good players. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to kind of stagger – the stilted roster in which you can get the most out of this one guy and that's always the goal but be able to play a couple different ways yeah and that's the that's the ultimate balancing act is that i guess ideally i mean in the in the way that you're talking and really in kind of the way that most people look at this ideally luca would be used the same way as jj barea is only for 35 minutes a game instead of about 18 yeah but if you do that, then for those 13 minutes where he's off the floor, you better be able to have somebody else who can do something. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of the, the not the dirty secret, but the ultimate safety valve 
throughout much of JJ's career, especially since he's come back uh, to Dallas the second time, was that if that initial ball screen doesn't lead to a JJ layup or a Dwight Powell dunk, you got Dirk who could punish a switch behind you. You got a couple wings. You know, they had Yogi that could do some stuff. Devin Harris can drive. So, like, everybody else, sure, specialize in shooting. Be 40%. Be awesome. But you better have at least one other trick that you can pull out of your hat if you need to, whether that's the way that Harrison Barnes can post up on point guards. Mm -hmm. Even though his two-point percentage is low this year, he's still doing well against switches. Uh, Wes is the same way. He is. I know no one wants to watch post-ups anymore, but he's really good in the post, especially against smaller guys. Dude, he makes three out of four every yeah, time he does against it. against little guys. Yeah. Now, against bigger guys, sure, I don't yeah. want Wes backing down Giannis. And, I mean, normally that doesn't happen. Sometimes it does because of necessity. But you got to have you got to have a, one other thing that you can do so that if your first or second screen isn't successful, then you're not just buried. Yeah. And so that's the – that's where a lot of teams are going now is where you got to find wings that can shoot really well, but then they also got to be able to either dribble or pass or mm -hmm. ideally both. It's hard to find guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot whenever you're capped out, which is why this is kind of the, the golden oh, opportunity yeah. for the Mavs because they're not capped out. They this got, is, a, they got a lot of space. on days right here. Yeah, like this is where you're like the pressure is on. It's it's like in the NFL. I mean, for the longest time, you could watch the teams that made it to the conference title games, and it's a quarterback that's still on their rookie contract. Yeah, exactly. Who's that good? The Russell Wilson thing. Yeah, and like it's it's never easy to build a complete roster, but when you have uh, a star making six or seven million for the next four years instead of twenty five, thirty, thirty five million, it's so much easier. It is so much easier to build around. And, I mean, you see what Golden State's done. That's how they got so effective. They timed, it, Their timing was so lucky, honestly, that one of those guys didn't hit super max contract before, like, at the yeah, same time I as mean, another one. If Steph Curry's ankles wouldn't have been yeah. so bothersome, then they wouldn't have been able to get KD. Yeah. I mean, Very literally, true. they would not have been able to get him. Yeah. So sometimes you got to be lucky. Yeah, a lot, luck has a lot to do with it. It's just timing, and do you ha are you do you have money in the off season at the right time when people are available? Like, and if you don't, can you sell to people that were waiting for next year type thing? Like, it's uh, it's difficult. But whenever you have a dude that's a top twenty player in basketball on a rookie contract, it's a lot easier. Yeah, and when you got Dennis here too. I mean, again, yep. like you said, I don't really know what's going to happen with any of that. Mm -hmm. I would love for them to spend their entire career together because I think that they could be pretty freaking fun here in a couple of years once they both kind of get a better feel for things. Mm -hmm. um, but just generally, when you're talking about like cores and moving forward and all that stuff, just given the way that there's so much turnover in the league now and contracts are signed to be four or five years long and almost immediately afterward you're seeing like so-and-so is being shopped yeah it's like all right so there's really no just because you're on a contract doesn't even mean you're going to finish it out with the team that you're with i mm -hmm. mean it's like there's really no security and not even security it's just cores don't last forever yeah. right like boston the way what they have right now with Kyrie, jalen brown jason tatum smart rosier horford gordon hayward that's a six or seven man core within the next two years, probably half or more of them will be gone. Yeah. So like no, no team, no 12 man team for sure will stick together. But even like your top three or four players might not, yeah. there's a good chance that they won't just with mm -hmm. the way that the league is going right now. So that's why I'm not as like, 
I'm not as worried about uh, making sure that everybody in your starting lineup on opening night next season is under 25. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I'm not really that bothered that DeAndre and Wes are starters now because you need guys that even if they might not be as uh, potentially good in the future, right? Like Wes, obviously his best days are behind him. He's 32. Mm-hmm. DeAndre's 30. He was much more springy whenever he was 22. But those guys have a lot more of that like corporate knowledge, mm-hmm. right? You, you're, you don't have to worry about them doing just like dumb, incorrect things routinely because they know what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So – if you're getting maybe the best players to put around Luca aren't teenagers. Maybe yeah. they are guys that are in their upper 20s and 30s that know what they're supposed to do, know their role, know to buy in, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so that you're not having a lot of like, well, I want to be the star too. And I'm not saying that's what hap- what's happening with Dennis, but that happens a lot with teams. And maybe it is. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what's going on with Dennis and the Mavs or whatever. I don't want to know. I want to think that everybody's happy. But – if you get five 22-year-olds, then, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to have some huddle scuffles like what we're seeing in Boston, and you're going to have some cryptic tweets coming out of Philly and, like, all that stuff. The Warriors, like, eat each other every year whenever mm-hmm. they lose one game. It's like, well, I hate this team. Like, you don't – I would rather not go there. No. So my ideal fit around Luka is a bunch of guys that are, like, that know he's good and that know what they're good at. Mm-hmm. And that whatever that – whatever form that takes – is good with me well and like everybody has the idea of putting five straight number one picks together right like if if you're if you want an nba 2k franchise on your on your xbox you want to put five straight number one picks together well i'm not even going to tell you that luca has the patience for that like not that he needs to be playoff conference title contender right now but he's way more mature on a basketball court than anybody his age should be. Yeah. I like mean, it. like, Luca in Phoenix, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know if that would have been awesome. I mean, maybe it would have been. I don't know. But yeah. I mean, same with – I mean, Sacramento was obviously, you know, playing pretty well. But, I don't. you know, I don't know. I don't know how they fit. Um, I don't know if he has the patience for that. And it sounds weird saying that about a 19-year-old. But, I mean, he's a there's, – there, he's one of one. Yeah. There's a unique test case that we're seeing right now. And you mentioned something interesting about, I think what you were trying to say about whenever you sign a big contract is the stopwatch starts like the second you sign it. Like you become less valuable. The moment you're not bringing surplus value in terms of what your cap sheet says, you become movable. And you become, a you know, sometimes a neutral asset or an upside down asset. So the window is just, it's now, man. Like, Conley's a year and a half or however long he is into his super double max and it's pretty public knowledge that they're trying to get off that thing yeah so it's like I've always said this about like um head coaches that come up that not ones that necessarily think they've like reinvented the game and football or basketball or whatever but whenever they're running like a a gimmick whenever they have a trick when Miami beats the pass with the wildcat yeah yeah Whenever you come in and you get hired because you can do this one trick, well, the moment that one trick doesn't work, your usefulness is over. Whenever that one trick of you being a surplus contract, surplus value on your contract is over, your your value is over. So it's it's the clock starts so soon. The minute you sign a contract, I and a lot of times you can see it. You can see that Tim Hardaway Jr. was probably not going to live out that contract. Look at Kevin Love in Cleveland. He just signed this summer. Yes. 
And that was kind of, I feel like that was kind of, they led him that way so that they could trade him with the years of guaranteed. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think that's what they did. I think, I mean, once LeBron leaves you, the trail of dead that LeBron has left behind is such <laughs> a, <laughs> they need a, they need like a support group. Like I was left here after LeBron, like he's like a tornado. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it, there are teams that sign guys to honest to goodness. I think you're worth this much money right now, or I think you will be soon. And the moment they're not, that team is, it's not even rebuilding. It's trying to get off of upside down assets with like first round picks. Yep. And you don't, that's the worst thing you want. You don't want, you don't want long-term bad contracts that you're trying to give uh top 10 protected first to get off of. Like, show me a, a good team in the NBA that's that's doing that right now. I mean, Toronto got away with it, I think, last year, the year before, getting off to Mari Carroll. Yeah. Dumping a first. But their firsts have been different for a long time. Um, they've been 20 to 22 plus uh, in the draft. So, that's it, 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 is, uh, it is different than it probably ever has been in terms of you sign something and your, your value. I mean, it's the clock starts right then. Yeah, I mean, it's like Blake Griffin. Yeah. Same exactly. Exact Clipper for life, and now yeah. he's in Detroit. And he, yeah. he's playing great, but the unfortunately, I think what I've learned, because I I mean, I enjoy Harrison Barnes as a person, and I really enjoy him as a player, and it's been awesome to see him get so much better. But what I've learned is that your really diehard NBA fans aren't going to have as much patience for a guy who's getting better whenever he's getting paid a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you see it in very literal terms, like a comment on Reddit saying, if he was making $15 million a year, I'd love him, but he's making $25 million a year, so I hate him. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not his fault, but it just is the nature of the beast in the NBA specifically. Maybe it's like this in baseball too, but I don't think so because the contracts are so weird. It feels like the NBA more than any other league by far, fans like players because of what they're making, not because of what they do. Oh, yeah. Like well, it's, it's bizarre. Like once, once Pascal Siakam is on a second deal, is yeah. it, is he going to be everybody's favorite player? <laughs> right. I mean, I don't. I I love him. Yeah. But you know, yeah. You, you see it with Luca. If if Luca signs a five year, two hundred million dollar extension, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, dude, you better get triple doubles more than once per half year. You yeah. Know? Yeah. NBA is more more unique. I feel because baseball, it's I don't know. There's there's no cap number one, right? There's this revenue sharing, so it's quite different. If you're taking fifty million, you're not necessarily, even though you are, like in the grand scheme of things, you're limiting our ability to acquire other players. Um, it's not a literal. This is how much you can spend. Um, and then in football, your career is so short. Average lifespan is three years. I don't think anybody understands how contracts work anyway. No, and most of them are non-guaranteed, fully guaranteed, and your career is going to last 3.5 years if you're the average NFL player, so everyone's kind of like, go get your money if you can get it. NBA, we don't wear helmets. You see the guys' faces, they're very personal to you. Um, I assume the average career for an NBA player is probably like five and a half years compared to three and a half, and there's a literal hard cap, and then there's a tax, and then there's a repeater tax, so if you get signed to you know if you're Draymond Green and you're the third warrior third splash brother to get a contract you're costing twice your contract and then maybe some and then maybe two dollars and fifty cents per and dollar. the fans know that and they care do. a lot about it even though it's right. not their money <laughs> right like if a guy's scoring you know if a guy jumps from 12 points to 15 points in a season after he signs a max contract no one's saying holy crap dude you just jumped four and a half points per game 
they're saying, well, you're not playing like this other guy. Every team has a guy, multiple guys that are making max. Every guy, every team doesn't have a top 30 player. Yeah. Like, that's the difference, right? Mac, like, And it's become a little different with this designated player exception or whatever. Uh, like, So the Celtics literally couldn't acquire Anthony Davis right now if they wanted to. It's against the rules. You can't have two designated. Because they already have Kyrie. Yeah, have Kyrie. He's the one. You can't. A- AD is New Orleans one. So you can't have two at a time. Um, I think. I can't remember what it is. But this offseason, it runs out. They could acquire AD. So Kyrie will be a free agent. Yeah. This is the last year of his contract. Right. That makes, that makes sense. And then. So that's the kind of way around it. Um, but. But then fans view you as you're the reason that we can't trade for Anthony Davis, which means you right. better play even better. Yeah. Because if you don't, well, Jason Tatum's only making $5 million and he's scoring as many points per, as you, so right. get out of here. Yeah. You know? It's weird, man. It's really NBA weird. NBA contracts are way too public. I've always said that. but uh, And they're fully guaranteed. It's, just, it's, it's unique to our sport, probably unlike any except for uh, European soccer or you know, high-level – bidding windows or whatever they call them and, and EPL, et cetera. Cause I it's mean, the transfer windows, transfer window. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, learn some freaking culture, dude. No, <laughs> but I, I hear, I see that. I see tweets like that all the time. They're like, dude's making this much and we paid this much for him. And in the grand scheme of things, like your owner has a budget, <laughs> whether the league sets it or not is kind of irrelevant. And in the end, I think that's like a, like some kind of some shadow art that they do. It's like, yeah, so here's your number. Everyone cool with this? And now the NBA's gotten good at calculating it. Yeah. Where you can kind of figure it out on your own if you want to. Uh, what is it? It's not RPI, but whatever. Players get this much percentage. Teams get this BRI. much. BRI. BRI. And you can kind of calculate next year's cap if you can see a good couple, a series of three or four numbers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like that in any, any other sport. And probably for good reason because it's basketball so personal. Um, I mean, that's why people love it, right? We don't wear helmets. The players have character. They're most of them are fun, goofy, love to win dudes. So it's different. Yeah, but not everybody can be LeBron. I think no. that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I want to, the last thing that I want to actually like bring up, my last little bullet point in my Word document. Mm. Uh, well, actually, never mind. There's two more things. Oh, One is just a little fun thing. So I'll do that first. What happens first in a game, in his career, not this season? What happens first? Luca has a 50-point game, or Luca has a 20-assist game? 20-assist. You think that'll happen first? Yeah. Dang. All right. What's his high right now? I think it's more likely. 12 or 13 or something like that. I think he has one of those. I think it's a 13. He's got to have a 13 in there, right? Let me pull up. All it takes is just someone getting hot one night. or Yeah, like just a couple dimes out to West. Get and West four or five dunks and yeah. a few threes. And I feel like I don't know if he'll ever need to score 50. Like, I mean, I see I, what Harden has been doing lately, and it's like, well, Luka and Harden are similar, but right. I don't know if Luka has it in him to shoot 40 times. I think they're – I think we – I don't think that's a bad point. I, I hear McMahon say that all the time. He's 19-year-old Harden in his first year in Houston, and I'm like, okay, I see where you're going. I don't, I don't feel like that much of their game is the same. I feel like the deceleration 
the ability to manipulate defenders' weight, that kind of stuff, and the size. I mean, Harden's like six four, six five, right? Six five, yeah. Okay, Lucas six eight. I don't feel like they're that much similar. I mean, I get maybe if you're talking value to a team, value to an offense, one man offense, probably if you if you play it right and Luca develops the way I think he will. I think that that's where the comp is. I don't think it's actually in the. Okay, they play this way. He uses this part of the court. I just don't. I, I get it. But I'm the actual, let's see, assists, his high is, well, he's at 212 games, so he hasn't had 13. 212s, 210s. High in scoring is what, 34? Yeah. Maybe 36? 30, 34. 34. 34 against New Orleans. So he's got to either get 16 more points or eight more assists. Which, that's, that's a lot. Both are a lot. His 34-point game Came on 16 shots, which is nuts. To that was with. against the Clippers, right? No, that was New Orleans. 32 oh, yeah. was against the Clippers on okay. 20 shots. But 34 and 16 shots is crazy. Yeah. Um, and, th- and now that he's starting to get to the free throw line, or he was for a stretch there, <laughs> that is very Harden-esque. But uh, that's, I think, the assists, right? Because if they just roll in one night and everybody – hits the wide open shot that he creates. I feel like that's like 15 in the bag. Yeah, if you're just hot one night. Yeah. And you uh, get a couple runouts too. I mean, they're not right. getting a lot of fast breaks right and now. And the thing, okay, he's a good score. He's a phenomenal scorer for a dude his age. I never saw that like in his profile that much leading into this season. Like we watched a trillion Real Madrid games and you know, uh watched him every pick and roll position he's ever professionally had uh that can be logged on um synergy i never felt like i was watching a guy where i was like this guy's gonna lead the league in scoring i never felt that i thought okay we'll score 20 22 but the dimes are gonna be there yeah like he's gonna put the ball where it needs to be and i feel like that's still true but the space of the nba game the three-point line the how hot he can get from behind the line it's just it may, all of it plays right into his skill set, but I was never. I still don't think I'm like when I see him score and it's like a quiet twenty four. I'm like, yeah, that feels right. I never feel like he's forcing to score. I just didn't think he'd be a top ten scoring guy. He gets too excited to pass to he does to want to score like thirty a night. I think he legitimately has more fun like dropping an over the top lob to DeAndre. Then he does like get into the rack and you know a weird up and under finish or yeah, something. Because I mean, he he'll take a heat check, but like usually if he scores, his heat check is like I'm gonna try and do something stupid, yeah, <laughs> and make yeah. a yeah. make a really dumb pass and it'll work sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of his. Like I'm gonna throw a 55 foot teardrop <laughs> on the, on a fast break <laughs> yeah. to a big man rolling down the floor. Like assume that. they're gonna be able to <laughs> manipulate their body quick enough to get to this ball. Yeah, but yeah, he's and he's got vision whether or not. The vision like syncs with reality sometimes is is different. I need I need him to start. Is he just not going to shoot well from the free throw line this year? I mean, he's running out of time. He's only got thirty five games left. Yeah, 35. and he's under he's under like right around seventy. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean he he has a flat shot just in general. 
that's part of the reason why they work on those floaters all the time. He's like, yeah. he's working on getting that, the arc. Yeah. The arch. Yeah. I, that's something that like not educated NBA fan will harp on is the free oh, throw for shooting. Sure. For sure. But for me, it's like, it's just like a hypnotize yourself thing. Like DeAndre figured out a way, right? Yeah. Um, took him a while, but he took him a really long time. Took him 10 years. Um, but I'm like, you have such good touch. Is he just, is he that, is he too big? Like, I mean, I don't think so. I think he just, he has a really flat shot. If you notice a lot of his free throws, just they take hard bounces. He doesn't get a lot of like, yeah. So he, he doesn't did, miss off the front a lot. Dirk would always hit the front of the rim and it just bounces off the backboard and mm-hmm. in because he has such a high arcing shot right. and with touch. So it just catches the rim and it'll roll in. Well, I think they don't want to mess with his shot right now. Yeah, I mean, just do it over the summer. Yeah. You know? But, like, how, even his threes, Luka doesn't get a lot of bounce on any of his shots. No. His threes will roll off his the step rim. backs will go high. Yeah. But that's just a natural. And that those are the ones that he makes. Leg bend. Which is, yeah. You know, kind of, that tells you something. I just, there's got to be a way where it doesn't rework his mechanics and doesn't change, like. I think a lot of his just more legs. Because generally he's a set shooter. Like yeah. He doesn't jump a lot when he shoots. Yeah. So it's just, just fascinating to me. More, a little more dip in there because he'll dip down and then transfer it all like to his shoulders to like right. rock back when he shoots. And I yeah. think when you do that, you just lose all your momentum from your legs. Then again, mm. I also suck at basketball, so I'm not the one to talk about this sort of thing. But that's that's just my opinion. I think he just has yeah. a, it's really flat, and so free throws you're not going to be free throws aren't forgiving if if you if you miss long or short on a free throw with a flat shot it's not going in it's so weird though because i haven't seen it i mean i guess there are dudes that shoot a close percentage to him that are as good as he is and handles the ball that's the thing like okay they're three-point shooters like three-point shooting and free throw shooting is not that tightly correlated to me Mm. um like whenever Bruce Bowen was hitting like the same amount from corner threes as he was from the free throw line, that didn't surprise me that much. <laughs> um, but a dude that handles the ball and has the same that kind of touch that he does, it is bizarre to watch him and go, he's fighting this free throw. And I've I don't have any tips for him. It I have could no just be idea. A mental thing too. He huh? gets really he gets really mad. He does. He does get. He's a very uh, gets frustrated with himself kind of guy. Um, but I mean, he expects a lot of himself. Like he ripped his jersey in half last game. He was like two for eight. Yeah, uh, two for eight. I'd be like, yeah, he I'd rip my jersey in half out of excitement. I mean, I I love the dude and I love his mentality and I um like it whenever he shows emotion. I'm just like, do you put too much pressure on yourself? But obviously, it's worked. So I'm not gonna tell you to change it. But I'm like, sometimes I'm worried about him. I'm like, he's like over there and he's one of five in the first half and he's got his head in his shirt and he's like obviously yelling into his shirt and i'm like but like chill out just a touch like Get it's okay caprice on he yeah yeah things. give him some orange slices yeah let him to. let him just chill he puts a lot of pressure on himself hmm. and maybe rightfully so because i mean if he didn't work out, like the next decade of European draft prospects would probably go be a negative five on where they got picked in the draft. Yeah. According to track record. But sometimes I'm just like, yes, he, he's very bi- bipolar on the court. Mm. It's fun to watch, but it's, I do worry about his 
just getting too hard on himself sometimes. He'll get there. Clay Thompson was 79.5% from the free throw line his third year. Did you know that? Mm-mm. The next year, he was 87.9%. This wow. year, he's back down to 807 hmm. So Now, Clay shoots a lot less than Luka does. Like mm-hmm. Luka, I believe, has already taken more free throws this year than Clay did his third year, like total. Yeah. So not as much of a sample size, but still there's a little bit of kind of variance yeah. there, I guess. But He doesn't handle the ball that much, though, either. Yeah. I'm, it's it's not even the shooters that I'm like, oh, no one's done this as a shooter. It's the guys that handle the ball and can clearly take it end to end and work weave all the way With through the a skill defense. And yeah. The, yeah. It's really bizarre. It is um, weird. Uh, all right, lastly, strength of schedule. You know what that means. Yeah. That means the, uh, the average win percentage of the opponents you've played or the opponents that are you have left in this case. So – this is December yeah, December 14th. So this was after the Mavs lost to Phoenix on that dreary mm. Thursday night game. Um, TJ Warren just kicked our asses. Yep. At that point, the Mavs were facing a schedule through the end of January in which they would play just three teams with losing records. My God. Uh, one of those was against Minnesota, who at the time was one game under 500. So... Basically, at that time, uh, they had a they had the toughest remaining strength of schedule in the, in the entire NBA, and them in Oklahoma City were head and shoulders above third place Houston. The average uh, Mavs opponent at that time in the season had a 5.33 win percentage, which over the course of 82 games is 44 wins. That's playoffs. Yeah, that's 44 wins. So basically, every single game that they had for the rest of the year was against a playoff team, essentially. And generally, that's what's happened in the last month or so. But now, 41 days later, coincidentally, the Mavs now have only the 13th toughest remaining strength of schedule. So basically, this it's last month schedule. Yeah, was bought. They, they had to slog through the last 20 games or whatever it was. They're 6-15 mm-hmm. and 15 in their last 21 games. Yeah. No, and we talked about that middle of the season, yeah. that chunk. You can – it's pretty – I mean, you, it was can't, bad. It was you bad. can't You can't mark W's and L's whenever the season begins. I mean, you can try and drive yourself insane, but you can look at a a month there where you're like, ooh. It's going to be tough. This looks like a this looks like a mound. I'm just going to keep pushing this rock up this hill, and I don't know if I'm going to get any, a positive result in a yeah. long time. Now, granted, not all of that – stretch felt like it was six and 15 it it felt like six and 15 after the spurs game and after the lakers game yeah that was those were bad times but whenever you lose to golden state twice basically on the last possession and that portland game went to overtime and there was a pretty competitive denver game in there i mean like you're some of those games are really close and so i'm not going to be too whatever i'm not like devastated about six and 15 but you cannot change the record no six and 15 happened and that's about a quarter of the season that is almost just wasted away. Like 21 and 26? 21 and 26. Why can't we just – the thing that worries me right now about when we're talking the schedule is you don't have those stopper wins where it's like, dude, we lost two in a row. We're about to play three teams that have been in the conference finals after this game. Like, let's win this game because we have to. I mean, that was kind of what that Charlotte win was. Yeah. They beat Charlotte by 40 because, oh, crap, we just lost OKC by 30, and we're about to have to go to Boston and Philly on a back-to-back. Yeah, well, if you don't win that Charlotte game, you lose five in a row. Yeah. 
And I, then you come back home to face the Lakers, and you're like, oh, this is supposed to be the easy game. Yeah. The Lakers. Yeah. It's – I need like – okay, it's not. It's, it's basically a shutdown inning, right? The other team just kicked your ass for a minute, and now I got to respond and put my best effort forward. And obviously, the Barea injury and Dennis being in and out, being in and out is – not how you drew this season up, but there's things you can control, and that's not one of them. Uh, so I, I just worry about the losing streaks. I'm like, okay, when you roll when you roll the dice, and you're like, okay, this five this stretch of five games right here, we're probably either gonna go two and three or three and two, depending on how we'll be favored heading heading into these games. But then just like the okay, we just, we just lost five in a row. And then we did it. We lost three in a row before that, and a stretch. And then there's a stretch in here from Phoenix to Portland, where that's six in a row. I'm like, just get some stopper wins. Yeah, and I mean, they came close. Yeah, they darn near beat Golden State, shooting for the lead with 30 seconds left. Yeah, you know, and and that happened again uh, against Golden State about two weeks later. Yeah, I mean the games are close. I mean the Clippers game is a four point game. Golden State game is four point game. Portland game is a three point game. Like they're close. I'm just like, you know what doesn't count at the end of the season when we start tallying them up. How close. many wins were close? Close. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you know you're especially now with 35 games left, you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to make the playoffs, and they're yeah. what four and a half games back or something like that. And yeah, which is feasible. But I mean, whenever you look at the remaining schedule. 13th most challenging schedule in the West is like a vacation. Oh. Their average opponent from now until the end of the year has a 504 win percentage. So basically they're playing 500 teams the rest of the year. Is that 13th across the league? 13th toughest in the league and 8th toughest in the West. So also 8th easiest. Yeah. Uh, And it's going to get a little easier even uh, after Toronto leaves. Mm -hmm. they, They got Detroit and then Toronto. And Detroit is right outside the playoffs in the East. But then you got basically from here to the All Star break. It is New York, Detroit, Cleveland, Houston's uh, in there. Houston, Milwaukee, Miami. That takes you to the All Star break. Which Houston, obviously, James Harden is incredible, and Milwaukee I has mean, the best record in basketball. But as as NBA stretches of schedule go, that's going to be one of the easier stretches that you're going to get. Houston should have lost to the Knicks last night. Yeah, I mean Harden is really saving them right now i mean this is heroic stuff i watched that fourth quarter because i saw that he had 49 going to the fourth quarter and i was like what's the record at msg and it's 62 and i was like oh i'm gonna watch this fourth quarter and see that was bad basketball yeah they well, gave they that almost, game away they and the rockets almost gave it back that yeah. pj tucker play was incredible i don't know what was going on there dude that was so bizarre i have no idea what was happening i haven't seen somebody act that weird not on alcohol <laughs> in a very long time and eric gordon you know saved their bacon yeah he made a ballsy shot but dude that was yeah it was weird and i mean that houston game is back to back so mm-hmm. it's not gonna be easy yeah but you've beaten them twice mm-hmm. chris paul will be back by then i'm i mean he's gonna be back this week i don't know if he'll be healthy in two weeks i don't I, who knows but it's a game that you can win yeah and you can oh, you play beat, them well. You too. can beat Milwaukee at home. Yeah. Why not? You yeah. can beat Toronto at home. Toronto just lost mm-hmm. the other night. Um, I'd love. I'd love for Toronto to be resting Kawhi and Kyle yeah, that, Lowry. That's and cool with me. Just let's play their other yeah twelve players. Let's like just deal with Fred VanVleet, who yeah. might be the best backup. It's <laughs> yeah. Siakam and Ananobi. And it, yeah. But uh, I mean, Ananobi's been out for a while too. Yeah, he has been. Um, 
But these are games, this upcoming stretch is where you can, if you're like a really good team, you can go like four and two, five and one. You got to make a little ground. break. You can feel great. And then all of a sudden you're like right back at 500 or thereabouts, mm-hmm. maybe one or two games out of the playoffs. Yeah. As you look around and see New Orleans in free fall, Memphis in free fall, Minnesota seems to be clinging on just like the Mavs are. The Lakers are falling. The, the Kings are back down to 500 now. I mean, a lot of teams are trending down. I don't know what's going on with Houston, how much longer Harden will be able to do this. Spurs are – they're back and forth. They lost the other night, gave up 122 to, I don't know, like Miami or something where it was like mm. they should have won that game. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, the I'm not ready to bury the Mavs because they had a bad month against, like, one of the toughest stretches of schedule that you'll find in the NBA where we literally every game is against winning teams. Yeah, I mean, we knew. Like, I told you We this set this thing up, man. You and me were talking yeah. a, a month or two ago saying, like, this stretch is going to be hard. Like, mm-hmm. if they go near 500, that's a win. Obviously, 6-15 oh, yeah. and 15 is not near 500, and you could have easily gone 9-12 and 12 if you just don't blow a couple leads. But, hey, it happens. These next uh, – yeah, besides the Raptors game, you got – so Detroit, Toronto, New York Knicks, Detroit, Cleveland, Charlotte, right? That should that's, be. You need to be if you. That if should you're be five playoffs, and one. Yeah, that's five and one. If you're trying to make the playoffs, that should be. I mean, if all those were at home, okay. Let's see. At I mean, Detroit second night of a back to back is gonna be hard. They I should be favored. That. Yeah, they should be. They or should be favored in all those games. Near. Yeah. Um, and then you know, you got a little fun Milwaukee, Portland, Houston. Which to is sneak be in there before the All Star break. Not exciting. Where I hope I'm hoping a couple of those teams are just checked out. Yeah, or at least you win one of them. Just ready for All Star break, checked out. Because I mean, you, five and one should not be ridiculous. Especially, I mean, that Clippers win is a good place to start, right? Yeah, that's a great place to start. And if you go five and one, that's twenty six and twenty seven. That's all we're trying to do, man. Trying to hang in there until... Yeah, just be near. I mean, yeah, watching them lose a bunch of games and blow leads to the Spurs and the Lakers, you might think, like, yeah, this team is done. Mm -hmm. But if you look ahead and you say, okay, well, you know, the Spurs game is going to be the toughest game they play for a while, Mm -hmm. then you can rack up some wins. And uh, Sometimes, I mean, I still... I mean, their playoff chances, if you look at, like, 538, probably aren't great. I bet it's 10% or less uh, as of right now, but... Dude, sometimes you just got to be the last one in a, in a seat whenever you're playing musical chairs. Like if AD's finger gets worse, if I mean you you mentioned all the teams, um, if that gaggle of like five teams that are trying to get that eight seed gets whittled down to about three because of just circumstances hit, then it's down to two, and then it's literally you have to outplay fill in your team the jazz for a two-week stretch you're just trying to make these little mini games in your mind right of these little because if you look at the whole thing anything more than a two-week sample size it's just a just a bear that's chasing you so you're trying to create these little mini contests these little mini tournaments And if you get to the final two weeks and i know we got memphis twice in that final two weeks um obviously san antonio is on there that's the last game of the year, which may or may not matter for either team. What's the last home game? The seventh? Suns. Suns are on there. <laughs> which is going to be tough. I mean, that's tough. Yeah. Well, that, but, I mean, you know how the Suns are different in March and April. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> but but you're just trying to get – you're trying to you're trying to make it matter. Yeah. And timing is everything, to, to your point on that. Like, 
we were talking at the beginning of the year looking at say okay you get to play phoenix atlanta chicago early in the year mm-hmm. like those games are way tougher at the beginning of the year than they are in march oh, because sure. by then the the teams that are in the lottery are kind of they're kind of doing their lottery bits mm-hmm. everybody's trying in october so that atlanta game was way more difficult than it probably would have been if they played that same game four months later yeah. five months later once you take a 26-point lead, you probably win by 40. Oh, yeah. Just because they're they're not putting their foot on the on the mm-hmm. gas the same way. Yeah. So sometimes it's about when you play these teams. Mm-hmm. And I would rather play Golden State five times in December than in March. Oh, for sure. And some of man. these teams, OKC, for example, their strength of schedule is only getting tougher mm-hmm. every single day. And some of these other teams are climbing above the Mavs. Did you say so, OKC? Oh, yeah. OKC is the toughest. They have the toughest schedule. Remaining though. by... A mile because they've had the easiest thus far. Their average opponent. I assume they'd be the top of the West right now because I knew they had the easiest first half schedule, and they're not. They're second or third or whatever. Yeah, their average opponent is forty six wins <laughs> for the rest of the year. They got they still have to play the Bucks and the Raptors twice each. My God. Yeah, and It'll that's be fun hard. games. And now I'll I'll say this: the Mavs just played at Indiana, a mm-hmm. game that would have probably been. All due respect. I mean, that's a t- Oladipo played in that game. Yeah, and he just he's, moved that he's game out seven days forward. Yeah, and now the Mavs play Indiana at home, mm-hmm. which suddenly will probably be a little easier because they'll be down an All Star, and so some teams like Golden State and Oklahoma City and Denver and Boston and New Orleans, who still has to play them twice, those games are a little different. Mm-hmm. So again, it's about when you play some of these teams. So I don't know. I mean, it's tough, but I. I thought playoffs could happen. I kind of jokingly said eighth seed right before the year with skin because we were both feeling pretty good. But um, it could still happen. I mean, yeah. like four and a half games whenever you're hopefully about to go five and one can disappear really quickly. Yeah, I mean, you never get to the situation where you win six straight games to make the playoffs in the final two weeks if you don't put yourself in that position, right? Like you got to put your – you got to stack wins and stay in it long enough – to be able to do the magical thing. So if they're – I mean, realistically, I think they'll probably be probably two or three games under heading into the final two or three weeks. And then, hey, you know what you got to do. you got to go play about 700 basketball for two weeks now. Do you want to do it? Or does everybody want to kind of start looking towards the beach? Yeah. And start planning golf trips, you know? Um so that's that's where you put yourself. That's where you are right now in the pecking order. And maybe next year, first tip off of first game, you feel a little different. Maybe next year you don't blow five leads when up by fifteen. <laughs> I mean, and that's uh, yeah. that's not taking a dig, but it's just like that sometimes happens when your best players are kids. Yeah, you're gonna lose games that you shouldn't, and also you're probably gonna win games that you shouldn't mm-hmm. against Boston and Houston and Golden State. Yeah, but that's the trade off in this great league. Yeah, and. As much as, they, as they've been a defensive, whenever they're good, they're playing good defense. I feel like on too many nights they've let how well or how bad they're shooting dictate the entirety of the game. Like their teams, like OKC, uh, they could shoot 40% from the field in the game and I still would be like, you know what, they got a decent chance of winning. Yep. You know what, because they're going to run, they're going to they're gonna knock down important threes, they're going to raise hell defensively and get you in transition. And we're, we're not like that right now. Our, we're not, our talent level isn't to that point, but that's what you want to build towards. It's don't let, okay, 
well, you know what? My shot's not falling tonight. We're stinking out of this thing. I have other ways to win other than knocking down, other than shooting 43s and hitting 16 of them. You know, you got to have different, way to, different ways to win. But, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a rebuild. I don't consider this a rebuild because you're kind of you're took off into the sky with this contraption that kind of looks like a plane, and then you're just, like, nailing pieces onto the wings <laughs> as you're going, and you're kind of, uh, oh, holy crap, we got, we got Luca. Yeah. But it's uh, – the entire build isn't done yet. And that's why I have to keep reminding myself all the time. Like, the roster is not where the roster will be. The talent level is not where the talent level will hopefully be moving forward. Luca is not what he'll be next year. And that's so, the important part, too. Yeah. If Luca was marginally better, everybody mm-hmm. else gets a little better. So, for every step, for every two steps Luca takes, mm-hmm. everybody else takes one naturally. Yeah. And that's the, that's the real good stuff. You can yeah. surround him with great players, but if he never mm-hmm. gets any better, it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean – but for every every little inch that he gains, every mm-hmm. a rising tide lifts all boats. Luca is the tide. Yeah, he is the he's the thing. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, and you want to and you want to get good enough while it's like cute that you're good before like hardcore expectations hit. Because if you're sitting in his fourth year and we're still talking about, hey, hopefully we're gonna get to forty five wins, expectations put pressure on you like nothing else like you got to you got to make the playoffs whenever you're not supposed to make the playoffs you got to make a leap um because that's that changes it all man that changes who wants to be a free agent to come here who wants to play alongside him the attention that's drawn to us so it's on them and I think they know the immediacy of it I mean you don't have the last month we've dealt with with things that have happened around the team if they don't think the immediacy is extremely important if they don't feel the urgency yeah so yeah let's yeah, make it's the, let's times make the playoffs where we're supposed to one of these years yeah for sure i mean we're thinking about the future think about the now too it's tough man you gotta you gotta keep one eye there you gotta keep one eye here things that are happening now matter and will affect things that are happening years from now so hopefully that's positive steps that's meaningful basketball in March, like Rick has said. Maybe that's even the playoffs, like we've said. But we'll see. Uh, in the meantime, you and I are going to keep making it happen. We're going to keep, keep moving, moving it forward. forward. I wish uh, you nothing but best. I, same, same to you, man. That is just nothing the, but best. Nothing but best because, like we said, if 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 you're best, mm-hmm. I'll be best too. Okay, I'll meet you at best. Yeah, I'll meet you, meet you at best, and you can find best. On the ceiling, mm-hmm. and the ceiling is the roof. It happens to be the roof. I just pointed up. So that, um, you're pointing up. No, that's not the that's not the roof. That is a don't. That's a that is a vent, and there might be stuff in there that you snakes. don't. Snakes. Yeah, yeah. You've just awoken. Too the, many snakes. You've awoken the the basilisk. Vent. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Sam Jackson. Uh, all right. Any any parting shots before we get out of here? Or are we kind of. Uh, <laughs> We're an hour and twenty three in. If you, if you haven't said everything you wanted to say, then yeah, stop then talking. I'm a bad broadcaster. No, let's get to the thing we were going to lead with. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, good good chatting basketball with you. Uh, I feel like every you know once a month. I feel like last time it was a it was a 
therapy sesh that we had to have. It usually is when we talk. It usually stuff. is because we don't want to invite somebody else on and just have them slog through what's what happened the night before. And we, you know, uh, but no, I feel I feel. I feel good about where things are going and what's happening right now, especially now that Dennis is back. Um, but I feel like I've already seen everything I need to see from this season. Like we played exceptional basketball for six weeks. You needed to know you were good. Yeah. Like that's very important. Now it's kind of like, okay, let's try some weird lineups. Let's play Luca with the second unit and this weird all alley-oop lineup. Like, um, but 35 left. Right now, it's all about Luca all-star game activities. And hopefully, he's starting. Yeah, hopefully, he's starting. And then, after that, tell me where we are in a month. Are we still in the playoff picture? You know? Yep. We'll see, man. It's a, it's, a, it's still a good time to be a Mavs fan. Oh, it's been course. some interesting stuff, and this team, just when you think you haven't figured out, they do something to surprise you. So, hopefully, that keeps happening. Um, Michael, enjoy your evening. Uh, we got a game tonight, Friday night against the Pistons. We got another one Sunday Today's against the Raptors. Thursday. Yep. Um, so uh, Pistons and Raptors at the AAC. If you want to come catch DeAndre versus Blake Griffin, or uh, and Blake Griffin's good. Watch Kawhi guard Luca. That is going to be some. Yeah. That's going to be some craziness. Uh, come check it out. It's going to be hopefully a good weekend at the AAC. We're going to get some shots up tonight. Hey. All right. All right. Just in case they call your number. I'll send you some vids. All right. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Um, <laughs> all right. Cool. It is uh, It is the ceiling is the roof. We will see y'all around at a time in the future. Just in the podcast already. So I don't want to this because is, it's... <laughs> you do this on all of them? I, well, not always, but I do sometimes. <laughs> You're like the kid. They won't leave like the arcade. Shut up. <laughs>